1: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. If you have not heard of the Eco-Defense Group, stop right now, Google them, stalk them on Instagram, find out who they are. Nathan Edmondson is the executive director and founder of Eco-Defense Group. And essentially what Eco Defense Group is, is these individuals in the background helping anti-poaching of wildlife uh, and trafficking of wildlife and just the whole business of ensuring wildlife protection, but in the background. And I say that very purposely because they're not out in front, they don't have an ego, but what they're doing is they're sending people with expertise to train the people that are protecting wildlife on the ground in South Africa. They're now getting into the intelligence world, they're getting into the corruption world, they're just doing a phenomenal job. And I wanted to talk to Nathan because I just have huge respect for him, huge respect for the organization, and they're almost are on the same timeline as Blood Origins from a, how long they've been on the ground and how long they've been going. So really enjoy this, and please, if you can, help Eco Defence Group donate to them, because the dollars are doing some phenomenal work on the ground in South Africa, in Malawi, in places in Africa that you just don't know are actually happening um, today. So enjoy. To deal with, I don't have any water. If I start coughing and spluttering and coverting all over the microphone,
2: it's more the sniffing. I'm
1: just be like trip telling you drip. man that you got the freaking covid sniffles
2: no it's uh it's the um it is the odessa tumbleweed
1: dust yeah 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 so i love to start these things with a, a typical hard hitting question okay so a guy out of hollywood would that be a fair
2: classification of your background where uh, you started uh <clears throat> I suppose. I mean, I never thought of myself as very Hollywood. <laughs> I lived in the mountains outside yeah, but of the city.
1: Someone that worked in Hollywood, let me just say that, worked in Hollywood, decided that he wanted to tackle one of the most devastating wildlife conservation issues that this planet is facing. Fair statement? I don't think I ever decided. Uh, well, I certainly didn't. Of course, desti- you decided. <laughs> You're in this thing one thousand percent of your day. You don't
2: have weekends. You don't have holidays. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's yeah. true. Let me let me rephrase. I uh, did not make a conscious decision to um, leave one thing directly for the other. Hundred uh, percent. No, sense. no, no. Sure. I sure, had sure. some background in which I had experience with the um, special operations and intelligence communities when I. F- through those, um, through those communities, understood the opportunity to bring new resources. But to be completely honest, like most people, I had very little understanding of the um, gravity of the crisis mm-hmm. and also of the realities of the needs. Did so you
1: have a perspective, given that you probably came, as you've just noted, you came from the outside, did you think for a second, honest answer here, that hunters were involved? Like this was a hunting issue?
2: No, not at all. Um, I, I don't really? think I had that... Even coming... Did you have... That's interesting. I mean, I I grew up... I, I wouldn't say I grew up a hunter. I grew up with hunting in my life in mm-hmm. Georgia. And a lot of bird hunters in mm-hmm. my family. Um, I think I knew what... Uh, I knew enough to understand the the realities of wildlife trafficking and, you know, who was harvesting, uh, sort of globally speaking. And I, I I didn't have any perception that hunting played a detrimental role or anything like that. I certainly, however, uh, had a very shallow understanding mm. um, of, of all of it. And I guess my point before is that if you had asked me at some point before I had spent some time being exposed um, to to the crisis directly I could not have built a business model to help I, I wouldn't have known what resources to bring I certainly would not have known uh, who you know who, who it or in what way I could be useful I, my assumption was that all the right people are already doing all the right things I mean this is it's a, a pretty gl- good assumption a globally recognized problem people right. talk about it all the time and yep, I found myself
1: in a position where how many NGOs do you think are involved big NGOs oh
2: like a number I, I all mean of them
1: yeah i, I exactly w w f all of them are involved in this thing
2: yeah i mean how many celebrities have you heard talk about it yeah. I mean, how many commercials have you seen so you assume, look, how could i play a part all the best resources are already being allocated mm-hmm. right and i think that was uh that was my sort of at distance perspective right mm. um i think what compelled me to commit as you said a thousand hours a day to it uh was not my passion for the cause, if you will, uh, but more, um, finding myself in a position where I could be useful mm. and, and build an organization to be useful. And, and I, that was very surprising and continues to be surprising to me today. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, we're a small entity. And so to ha- have an impact globally, which to have any kind of impact, it has to, you know, it has to be, it has to be global, right? You're of talking course. about the extinction of species, yep, yep. um, it's not just global, but it's it's sort of, you know, timeless and mm-hmm. almost eternal in a way. Uh, and um, so we're, we're small. And I f- find it frighteningly, I find it frightening. And um, it should be shocking to most people that a group our size can have an impact. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, everyone's
1: listening to this going, who the hell is this guy? What the hell are you guys talking about? Because that's typically
2: how these <laughs> podcasts go. All right, Nathan, introduce yourself, please. Uh, my name is Nathan Edmondson. I am the president of Eco Defense Group. We are a nonprofit that specializes in training uh, counter poaching, um, training and developing counter poaching capabilities on the front lines of wildlife crisis in Africa. Uh, we train special, what we call wildlife special operations, so small surgical approach to uh, increasing asymmetric abilities for those on the front lines of poaching.
1: So, the biggest crisis you'd face, you're dealing with now, is rhinos. Absolutely. Yeah. Give people almost just like a a small drop in the bucket context to the scale
2: of the issue. Um, well, the rhino horn is one of, if not the, in certain markets, most valuable material on the planet right now. Uh, the value. What's it
1: like ten times, a hundred times more valuable than gold? It's yeah. By the ounce?
2: <coughs> by the ounce. And and of course, as the available uh as mm. the availability diminishes mm-hmm. the value increases. Mm. So it's it's sort of this snake chasing its tail. Yep. Um, there are, you know, uh I'm I'm really bad with the numbers on this stuff, <laughs> but I think I can give some sense of space. You know, there were um uh, in, in one species rhino, 50,000 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. Now there are 2,000 mm. uh, remaining in the world or fewer. Every census comes back more and more frighteningly small. We look at, um, we lost the northern white rhino when, when extinct. Uh, what Functionally
1: extinct. Functionally, there's still fun- two females. Right, mm-hmm. but
2: for all intents and purposes. And actually, for all intents and purposes, as a non-biologist, uh, <laughs> my understanding is once you're beneath depending on the species between 100 or 30 of that species sure. it, it's gone like yeah, bottleneck gen- genetics
1: exactly. it's like the cheetah you have a bottleneck genetics it's still surviving right now but genetically similar
2: individuals in san diego Zoo versus those that are on the Masai mara essentially a- absolutely and you've taken away from that animal hundreds of thousands uh, or tens of thousands of years of evolution with its environment mm-hmm. so it really even if you could clone and reintroduce the northern white rhino for one thing we never s- studied it really so we don't know right. we wouldn't know if we got it right but it's not it's not the same and also that science it just it, it's it is it hasn't been demonstrated mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. um but anyway uh so we lost the northern white rhino we have two african uh primary species remaining one has fewer than two thousand left the black rhino um uh rapidly fewer uh and so we're looking at extinction for both the remaining species um, within a decade potentially, and uh, especially with the post-COVID surge, surge of demand, decreased resources to right. combat that, combat that demand, increase right. corruption based on disenfranchisement. All of this, and and of course the rhino. We talk about the rhino. It is the umbrella species too. Uh, mm-hmm. The pangolin, the lion, Pangolin line. Yep. Everything's being being targeted as. You well know so, uh, and I
1: think this year, just for people's context, we are we're podcasting January seventeenth. Um, I want to start. I want to say that we started off with a bang, like twenty-five rhinos or twenty-six rhinos taken in the Western Cape, right, Northern Cape, something like that.
2: Yeah, and and a lot of numbers are not disclosed, uh, and and of course, not every carcass is found. Right. Um, you know, you spend enough time on one, and and another number that's not often um, well understood is the number of calves or you know fetuses that are lost rhino has a slow reproduction rate the calves stay with the cow for four years uh so you oftentimes either you if you find a cow there's a pretty good assumption that if you didn't find a calf there was one Mm. right so Mm -hmm. um anyway the point is i I think there's two two sort of statistical uh anomalies one is that there's under reporting either because parks or national entities don't want to advertise the amount of poaching that they have right um they don't want to deter it makes sense but it's also like the time to care about extinction is not when the last northern white male dies which is the only time it was on the cover of any newspaper yeah right yeah um the time to care is is now Mm -hmm. uh and whether or not you keep that information private i mean that's i I feel like we're well they're
1: keeping it i can understand the whole anti-poaching part of things but i think a lot of private landowners that have rhino keep it private because they don't want the attention which would then attract attention of the syndicates and the poachers themselves right
2: uh, one uh, yeah there there are and and you know you don't want tourists in your four star five star resort thinking about poachers with rifles walking around mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there's all all kinds of but at the end of the day like the world just the world just doesn't tune into this, and I don't think they will be until it's lost. And once the rhinos lost, obviously you've lost the big five. You've lost a major portion of tourism, mm-hmm. huge impact to the biosphere, mm-hmm. uh, and you've th- that. It, it, it you know I think the the poaching syndicates will just act as a wildfire. They'll continue to consume, consume.
1: So would you say rhinos are 99% of the stuff that you are doing right now? Because you do a little bit of abalone work, right? You've done a little bit of sort of on uh, not offshore
0: reconnaissance
1: stuff for abalone uh we're working
2: um uh and for those who don't know what an abalone is uh it's a a um it's well if you've ever bought jewelry or a knife that has that pearly iridescent Mm -hmm. uh that is likely uh for my mother of american pronunciation abalone uh and uh, it's it's a shell mm-hmm. right that, that is harvested or poached um, now almost enti- always illegally uh, from you know offshore from marine offshore sanctuaries, waters yeah. right? and um, <clears throat> so we are also invested in a couple of projects that we have um, that we have uh, put out press releases about a lot of what we do just up front, We can't talk about, or we can't talk in detail (laughs) about, right? Which makes podcasting about it fun. (laughs) Um, But uh, audio medium, I can't really talk about that. I can't really talk about that either. It it, it also keeps the interview short. Um, (laughs) But we are very proud right now to have partnered with South African National Parks on two abalone-related programs. One is in Table National Table Mountain National Park, um, which is the number one tourist attraction in all of Africa. Yep, Um, and they have a major. Uh, Abalone poaching syndicate crisis there. Wow. Uh, the militia really taking over the park, um, and so South Af- South Africa National Parks uh, invited us to help develop a model of a quick reaction, um, a counter poaching force there that w- that could deploy around the mountain multi environment sea air mountain is what seam stands for, and uh, simultaneously we have seam seen. seam seam air mountain cool. elite. Rec- specifically recruited rangers
1: uh now are these ranges again i'd say you know obviously you you would tell me hey i can't say this rangers are local or or rangers are outside guys coming
2: in um i i, I both i mean they're okay. recruited uh i think primarily from well but, but your team is also
1: one of the things that you do is you bring expertise right F- ex-military expertise out of the united states wherever you can get them and you bring them to bear in this situation and you teach the local guys this is how you're going to operate in this kind of
2: circumstance correct so these are south African national park rangers so if you look at the 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 if you look at the ranger um i hate to say model but sort of the way that uh counterpoaching rangers have evolved there, there's maybe three different D- d- type. So one is private reserves that have a private security contractor. That yep. is right. Um, in which case they have some degree of specialization. Yep. Uh Then you have typically ex-military or ex-military adjacent or something. I, I guess yep, it, yep, yep, th- yep. you know depends on the th- depends on the. But group. they have some sort of typically some sort of enforcement background. If you're a private security firm. Uh, yeah, I would I, I would think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't speak with like. R- Comprehensive familiarity, but yeah, uh, theoretically speaking, yes. Then you've got the the national park model where, um, and this is one of our two main areas of, or, or uh, partnerships. And in those cases, the history is that you had a, cons- a ranger conservation model where rangers were recruited and trained to be conservation rangers, not to fight militia who carry AKs mm. and who are aggressive and Makes out sense. to kill. Right? So uh, some of these guys have been forced to adapt for the same pay, by the way, as they would have expected to do more you know, for lack looking of looking after notes. the animals, type work in the environment and the water pumps and maintaining roads. Right, general sort of putting park fires ranger. on the ground, fire management. Exactly, and now they find themselves to be uh, reactionary fighting forces. So, and then there are some new models. The seam model is one of them. And then African Parks has an excellent law enforcement uh, recruitment and training program where they now understand that rangers have a different role than they did historically. So they recruit and, and give initial training specifically for. Um, a more um, law enforcement uh, background gotcha. you know there's a lot of um, I know there's a lot of debate right now we're, we're careful to you know be respectful of the the um, both the operational security but also the the way that parks want the public to perceive them but there are those who have are adamantly against the militarization of these rangers uh uh, ranger forces why would they be against that knowing what they're up against right now well i i I mean look speaking as a non-representative of any of these places my my perspective on that is that one i don't think people properly do understand i think Mm -hmm. that if you you know stand at the gate as i have many times with a ranger who has not had a day off in 100 days and leaves his house for you know less money than you spent on lunch Mm -hmm. every day to Mm -hmm. um to potentially be shot at by criminal syndicates that are potentially more well armed, and by the way, in a lot of places have more legal, or, or um, from which they are legally restricted from, you know, engaging in oh, in, yeah, in yeah, a yeah, way yeah, that yeah. would put that there. That is the ranger's life first. Uh, you know, you you don't under Stand from their perspective, of course, they want to be better and more well armed and more well protected than the threat they face. I think that there may be some perception that, you know, when you militarize, you escalate, right? But mm-hmm. if you're a ranger who wants to make it home at the end of the day, and if you want that rhino to survive, I, I don't think that escalation is part of the calculus. I think you just look to be as capable as possible. Mm-hmm. So, um, our model is to go in and wherever we can find those groups to escalate. Uh, well, let's choose a different word, to improve. (laughs) Improve, uh, right. Yeah, to improve capabilities um, so that uh, to a point, hopefully, of asymmetry. That is to where. How long does that take, Nathan? Like if someone,
1: like take that guy that you're standing at the gate with, Mm -hmm. has had no prior military experience, you know, walks around the bush. He's a Mapoiser in one of the sections in Kruger. You know, he carries an AK, but he honestly has not, you know, he might have fired some warning shots at some some deer loopers right through walkers
2: but how long does it take for that guy to become competent you know it it uh, so i guess two things that come to mind when i think about it we've trained guys who are well into their 60s who are some of the most devoted trainees like they want to learn right Mm. they they may have issues lifting an arm you know to hold their rifle because years of of trauma or, Mm -hmm. or whatever um You know, is that guy going to be your elite, you know, not necessarily, but if he is now a little bit more likely to um, win a a contact, uh, then, you know, that's a net good, right? It's like we're not out to train to a specific model. It's just impossible. There are different Mm -hmm. levels of resources. We're never going to be able to apply the same level of resources that national militaries have, nor do we necessarily want to. They may not be the right, that might not be exactly the right model. But I think the goal is that if, if you can get to a point of deterrence, like we do not want to encourage conflict ever. We want that ranger. We want the ranger to be safe, first of all. Kay. We want them to be safe and protected. Kay. We want that no matter what happens that day, they come home alive. Mm-hmm. Two, and secondarily, we want the rhino and the lion and the penguin and everything else to be safe and alive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. M- the goal of the model should be deterrence. These guys are so good mm, that if I You just I go don't want to go into that property. Right. I don't want to go in because I know if I go into that park, I am likely going to be arrested or I'm going to lose somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and these guys are competent. They're confident. Um, now, obviously... Uh, Part of what we look at is the le, you know the the escalation and evolution of the threat. So if you do X, they do Y. Then you do you know this, they do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the syndicates don't suddenly give up and go home. Right. So we, we are we are a consultancy. We're not a we're not a training model that applies okay. the okay. same standard everywhere. So that, that's a that's a pretty drawn out answer to your very simple question. Um, but another like so for example, in the two programs that we put out or two of the programs for which we put out um, press releases this year. One was specifically training a marine unit mm-hmm. around Addo Elephant, Nas- uh, uh, Elephant National Park. And so we we, div- we identified an in-state. Okay, they have this problem. Um, we can actually put a plug in this hole, and we know how to do it, and here is what it takes, right? It took delivering a boat, specialized training, and it wasn't a very long. And how long was that specialized training? The training itself, so... Uh, it was three different iterations. One was primarily consultation with light training. There was a second training iteration. There's delivery of Kay. the specialized equipment. Mm-hmm. So it all happened within a year. Each block was about mm, close to a month long. Okay, right? that makes sense. So does that mean that these guys are now, like, we can wipe our hands and done, they'll never face a problem? No, but we identified, if we can get you here, right? you know, and then we talk to them and say, because we're not a group, we don't have the resources, nor are we necessarily invited to just set up camp and say we're here for the next ten years. Right. You know.
1: Nor would you want to,
2: right? Because then you're
1: creating a beast that you have to c- continually feed. You want to almost cultivate like you're doing right now, and like almost you, you're hatching the, the chick out the nest
2: essentially. Yeah, we want we want to enable, and also as a small nonprofit, like it's just it's impossible for us, right? That's just not our model um we are looking like we're raising money this year uh to pay salaries for a couple of strategic positions because we just understand that for the in-state based on this consultation you're going to need this person and the park can not accommodate that right Right. so in that case and that person
1: could float between kruger and addo and table mountain and almost be that strategic liaison that you're looking for
2: that that's quite yeah quite possible again i want to be very cautious that i'm not <laughs> speaking on behalf of sand parks human right, resources right. but but right. the point is like we might human resources may be a part of the solution right um and look if i you know if i had all the money in the world by which i mean five to ten million a year mm-hmm. which is money that is is there mm-hmm. right uh w- are, are we could be much much more comprehensive and effective but i think also uh in the same way that George Lucas making you know first Star Wars movie was at his best, sometimes being forced to be scrappy forces the best, uh, you know the, the best solutions out of the team. Um, but uh, you know, like with this, some of the other programs, we'll look and say, here is the training blocks. You know, we're going to do A, B, C, D, E, and then that is our in state. You know, and then we'll revisit then and see if we can continue to be helpful. Uh, but we look at there's all kinds of considerations. Uh, does do you t- purposely check back in?
1: to the project, or do you wait for them to engage you?
2: Uh, We always check back in. We follow up uh, with the canine program we're working on now. We plan several follow-ups to make sure that the the, um, training and and everything, it was being maintained, but we... and, and then part of the conversation was what's the next investment here? can we continue to be helpful and if the answer is no then the answer is no we, we move on that's mm. great mm-hmm. you know we're we're not looking to set ourselves up as contractors anywhere we're not looking for business we want to be helpful mm-hmm. um, and honestly I pretty much everywhere we've worked if they don't need us I'll come back on Safari right I love like sure, I and the course. team that yeah, we love yeah. these places yeah you know? yeah. i and I think there is a a if we were to set up camp in places like there, there's a likelihood of mission creep, like we suddenly start finding ourselves doing things for us, not for them. Right? Mm-hmm. We're here. What can we do? Exactly. What do we want to do? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, this is not our park. Uh, we do not have the best perspective on how to manage it. We're not there every day, so we try to be very respectful of balancing our consultation of what you need with them saying, "Here's what we need." And a lot of it is, "Okay, here's what we need, but here's what we can actually do together." Um, man, there's so there's so many things. I mean, you know, if we want to give you this, yeah, but it requires batteries that may be impossible to to you know to find. Right? right. That that's a that's an insane limitation. But we're not necessarily in a position to say we can give you 50 years of battery support, right? But that might be a limiting factor in one of the solutions that we come up with. And so our we have to look and say how can we solve that. So a good example of that is cloud defensive. One of our um, sponsors this year in equipment they helped us come up with a rechargeable battery solution and they committed uh, a certain amount of equipment over time that we felt very comfortable that we're actually going to be setting them up for success mm. not giving them something that when we show up in a week is non-functional exactly gotcha how you know one of the
1: things that is primarily an African issue obviously it happens in other places in the world but it's the thing that you associate with Africa with which is corruption yeah um and obviously you just you, you noted all the things that breed corruption guy hasn't had a day off in 100 days gets paid less than what we just paid for lunch all those things that when a syndicate boss comes in or a syndicate underling comes in and says hey bud you make 100 bucks this year yeah i can give you a thousand tomorrow all i need is this yeah like i it, if we were in that situation, what would we do?
2: No, absolutely. Look, I, I, I it, To anybody who has what I would, you know, um, perhaps boldly call an imperialistic perspective, the corruption is a is an issue. You know, unique to these places. Uh, nobody is beyond that kind of corruption. I'm sorry, your exactly. one, your child ends up in the hospital, and all that's being asked of you is a little bit of information, mm-hmm. right? A little bit of information, and and combine that with the fact that. You are disenfranchised. Nobody from outside the world cares that you're protecting an animal. I mean, literally, wealthy people from the West or anywhere else show up on safari and aren't even aware that mm. there are people out there working hard and tirelessly mm. to protect animals. Like, at some point, why do you care, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and I, I 100% think that we have to look at corruption as, um, as an expression of, one— our failure, like as the rest of the world, right? Um I I think that we like we cannot look and say, well they are correct. Second, there has to be some mechanism in I would suggest that in places where corruption is rampant and found, there should be some mechanism for reintegrating those people into the good graces if possible. Um, because otherwise you just continue to polarize and in a way And then you disenfranchise them to to do that more
1: right because then it's like well what else have i am am i left with right i was i'll just keep doing what i'm doing because i just lost this job because of
2: yeah and and you have to and like it it allows you to start considering the well-being of the ranger um the health the mental health the uh sense of purpose all of these things cannot be disregarded and uh i think that a whole lot of difference could be made if tourism uh, whether it be hunting, whether it be safari goers, people who drive into the parks or day passes, take some time to just thank mm-hmm. rangers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may it may sound kind of um, kind of cheap, but I, I, the disconnect between what they do and its importance to the world. And I think that you know if if we can't radically in like at some point you just can't combat the economics, right? You just right. can't do it. Right. Um, you can work in a lot of ways, but if you can start to create a, I, I do believe that. It, not everything is about money. I mean, you know, if you, people in the intelligence world, case officers know that nobody is motivated by money, ever, right? That is not a motive. If somebody says, What are they motivated by money? It, they're not. Nobody's motivated by money. There's something else that money can perhaps serve that's in their motivation, right? Mm. It's caring for their family. Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, am angry with the system. Whatever it may be, money's not the motivation. And that's not to say, you know, I'm not. Who am I to say what poverty means in mm-hmm. some cases, right? Are you paid a fair wage? Can you live off of it? I can't go in there and prescribe to you what should make your life, you know, uh, what should make you happy in your life. But I do know that you do a job that is important to me, my family, my children, and frankly, is globally important. And I at least need to recognize and appreciate that. So maybe we, we start there. And from there can start to look at how we build alliances and support I mean, how many people went on safari in X park this year who stopped for a minute to say, Hey, what do you guys need? Right. You know, how can I help? Um, I've literally met people at very expensive, lo- expensive lodges. Um, not where I was staying, but where I was <laughs> passing through or meeting a donor. Just just for your
1: clarification and anyone from the IRS listening to <laughs> for this, from an order <laughs> yeah. you know, Nathan is not staying in five-star lodges in <laughs> South Africa.
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I, I look enviously sometimes over the over the fence, but sure. uh, but um, I have been you know at, at times exposed and had conversations with people who've traveled from, like one, example from San Francisco. They were paying at least three thousand dollars a night for their room. Yep. And their only question for me when I told them what we were there doing, um, was wasn't well, there a fence around the park? You know how do the how do the poachers get in and. I can tell you, no answer mattered. They were right. there, and, and like, look, I, you know, it was out of
1: sight, out of mind. We're here for yeah. what we paid for, and
2: they didn't do anything wrong, right? But uh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm shaming these people mm-hmm. for, for not knowing something. Mm-hmm. But my point is, when you talk about corruptibility, I think disenfranchisement is a bigger problem than pure finances, mm-hmm. and uh, in a way, you, you can almost say. The syndicates are the only one who care about my family right right that syndicate came in and they offered me like exactly. i i know one ranger supports 12 family members on yeah. his salary right yeah somebody comes along and offers to help with that mm-hmm. you know uh you've got two members of a family theoretically well not just theoretically it, it happens one is involved in poaching or criminal activity one mm. is involved in law enforcement well who brings in more money for the family mm. right N- no question
1: did you see that? Ri- speaking about that, did you see that Richard Branson piece on rhinos? I don't rhinos?
2: think it was that a I little did.
1: documentary. It wasn't. It was actually a. F- it was a fictional documentary, and that's.
2: Oh, it was this the the let the met the letter. No, it oh, wasn't
1: oh, the letter. Okay. It was. Um, it was set quote unquote outside of pillonsburg in South Africa. It followed two brothers in a little community village outside. One was a ranger, and one was. Uh, was approached by the syndicate and the guy snuck in and killed the rhino and his brother found him during the whole melee and he killed his brother it's you need to watch and i'll find it for you i've watched it it was brilliantly done and it showed the whole like community vibe you know this community being really scared when the syndicates came in they knew who they were the bad guys and then you had this guy who was like I think he got I think the brother actually turned anyway I'm, I'm butchering it but I'll no. find it for you Richard Branson did it
2: Wow Okay uh I I'm I, I'm sorry I'm not aware of it I I will say I have heard that almost exact story told to me uh that did happen mm-hmm. in real life Yeah um I don't think in the story I heard I think that the ranger put his gun down and said I can't it's my brother or cousin it might, or be the, it might be the exact same thing i can't yeah. remember the ending but well certainly the point is it's certainly inspired by reality right? Correct. that is a real thing 100 uh, and 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 yeah i mean the, these guys and and one of the things i know that um more veteran rangers that we've worked with will tell more junior rangers is they do not care about you the syndicates will leave you to die they're here to exploit you but again your perception may be God, nobody cares that I do this job. I'm making no money. You know, I am I asked five times for a new, you know, pair of boots and I never got them. And then mm. this guy comes in and says, come be part of something, man. You know, the world is not just right here in the park. You know, mm. it's, it's, you know, what, what it, it's a very, you know, uh, corruption is, is a product of a, a global equation, not, you know, the specific corruptibility of mm. the ranger. Um, so yeah, I, uh, um
1: so let's um let's turn a little bit uh, as we get to the end of this to eco defense how
2: long have you guys been going uh five years now five years same same time as you we learned yeah
1: it is it's, it's quite funny that the trajectory is about the same two guys same age essentially how old are you
2: uh i'm 37 oh damn i am much older than you <laughs> <laughs> i got i'm more gray in my beard but, but much prettier <laughs>
1: But hey, I, I did want to mention that you did have a haircut for this podcast, even though this is an audio medium, and you did a push-up the other day. <laughs> <laughs> this, is,
2: this is true. It still shows. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I need to make more of an effort. Um, travel takes its toll. Uh, of course. So what's on the cards for EcoDefense
1: in 2022? You obviously had a banger year in 21. Was that almost like a coming out year in 21? um would you say
2: i i think we you know we, we have different stages of growth mm-hmm. so we have a board meeting this week and we're kind of looking at our i don't know our iteration 3.0 for what we're taking on uh some new um a little bit more of a holistic approach including oh, uh, yeah, yeah. things like intelligence mm. and, and some other stuff
1: uh to tackle the corruption side of things a little bit more
2: well just to you know if you if you understand the fine fix finish um, vocabulary right you you find the um, you 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 identify the threat that's the fine to fix is to to understand their movement or mechanism and then to finish is to you know make Execute. the contact and and mm-hmm. perform the arrest or whatever that may look like and we've invested a lot on the right side of that the finish we're starting to invest a little more on the left side because again it goes to ranger burnout right mm-hmm. that's one of the issues is you can't have these guys on the right doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we are looking to invest more in that direction this year um I, yeah i mean a banger year relative to us it was certainly our most successful year good uh, good good we um saw a lot of effect we've in, increased our alliances and our uh you know our partnerships um we rely on you know groups like yourself uh to be the advocates for us sure, like i sure. said we can't advertise a great deal uh you know i think there's a time limit to our instagram and other thing at some point we got to just pull back right um, so uh and, and and we never you know to be clear too exposure is not something we desire we're not the ones who risk our lives right, um, exactly we absolutely love it over there but you yeah, know you're I
1: essentially an underground non-profit that is supporting the the fight on the ground for wildlife
2: yeah and and supporting being the key word yeah right? it, it's it is our concern that is, if the rhino's lost, it's lost for me, my kids, their kids. But it is not our fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, the integrity of of, of of understanding that where that line is drawn, um, or, or, I'm sorry, understanding the integrity of, of how that line is drawn is crucial, I Correct. think. You know, we get a lot of DMs and other people who reach out and, you know. How can go I go fight? Exactly. And, you know, and a lot of them have an attitude, man, got to kill the poachers, poach the yeah. poachers. and. To me, you know, first of all, thing one is life is life. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you can't talk about, you know, your ambition to protect wildlife if you also have an ambition to kill a human.
1: Well, I just, saying, speaking that, I just had an anti-hunter this afternoon saying that, oh, we're going to put all, you know, we should be hunting hunters and put hunters' heads on the wall as trophies. And I was like, and I, I looked in, she's a private account, her name was Angie, and I said, Angie, so you're advocating murder? Yeah. Question mark? I said, that's, that's awful.
2: Mm. And I'm sure the FBI will be looking in on you <laughs> very, very soon. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, the the, the emotional, like, yes. you know, the logical disconnect that's rooted in emotion. Yeah. Um, but again, it goes back to sort of understanding, the you know, the human element of all of this. Um, but anyway, for us this year, we've got a number of project lanes. Most of them, you know, are not, can't be made public, but we will be right. training. Um, we will continue our training with the SEAM team. Mm-hmm. That is a more public program. Uh, we really have a goal, and we're starting to see those. that group is awesome. They are highly effective. They are the right people for the job. Awesome. We're really excited to be a part of that program. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're looking to double sort of our performance from last year. Um, what we rely on and what sort of my job is is to bring in private support, The mm-hmm. support those people to whom we can disclose what mm-hmm. we do um and and those people who want to invest right because a donation to us i do believe it's an investment right not in us it's an investment in the ranger and the and the rhino right um and we do it for the rangers and for the rhinos and and uh you know until the world changes there has to be someone who stands between the poacher and the rhino um so you know uh while there ideally could be a more soft investment this is the reality of what's required. It's not the only thing that's required, but this is our our mission. Right. So we're going to be expanding uh a couple other locations on the continent, uh, expanding in our contractor, diversifying our contractor base a little bit based on some of those specific needs, um, maybe selling a couple more t-shirts. We don't do a lot of that, <laughs> but there's been some requests for it. And then, um, you know, one thing I am that, that we started to do last year, which led us to this conversation, which I am eager to do is I think there's a real opportunity right now to um, build a bridge between uh, the hunting communities' participation in the hunting reserves and the larger wild national parks mm-hmm. where that genetic diversity, for example, comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, if we can... Um, you know, speak with people like you uh, and and rely some on your outreach and messaging to help us For sure. reach out to those communities and say, you know, and maybe even not through us, but just, right. you're here. Right. Uh, come meet some rangers and understand absolutely. Some of this mechanism. So that's something that I think we and others need to put more energy into uh, is into building more bridges between sure, communities sure. um, that want to see consonance with the environment. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it'll be... Hopefully it'll be a banner good. year for all of us, and well, hopefully a good year for the rhino.
1: Yeah, well, we're big fans of you and big fans of what you do at Eco Defense. Um, and you know, if anything we can do in terms of you know shouting from the rooftop your message, that's what we'll do.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we reach a point where it's 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 not about the volume of the message; it's about the right people. Right. right? Um, I think we just know globally that. We, you know, you can't just yell at people. So if we can encourage the right people with the right insights and the right resources to come to the table, mm-hmm. this problem is actually solvable, um, at least you know, sort of short-term solvable, uh, one problem at a time solvable with the right allocation of resources. That is that is not extraordinary, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well,
1: if it wasn't solvable, you wouldn't be at the table. In your mind, mm. in your mind, if it wasn't solvable, you wouldn't be at the table. Uh,
2: yeah, I th- I think that's true. Yeah.
1: Well, Nathan, I appreciate you coming on again. Let us know if we can do anything for you. And uh let everybody know
2: uh where can they find you? Can they how can they donate to what you do? Yeah, um ecodefensegroup.org. Uh we, donation link is easy to find there. You can find us on Instagram for now. <laughs> um and uh you know, we we encourage outreach. Um we 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 understand that every conversation, you know, is an inclination towards the cause. Um So, yeah, you can find us on on those channels, and uh, we're always listening. Awesome. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you.
1: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.